Amen. Well, it's good to see you. It's good to have you um, this morning. I don't think I need these. Uh, I'm not blind, but man, the, sometimes the light uh, makes my eyes do funny things. Um, one day Jesus was walking with his disciples, uh, or with some disciples. It was after his resurrection. They didn't know who he was. And they were walking and talking, and Jesus just kind of shows up. That was sort of his thing. I like that because they never knew when he was coming or when he was going, but he just showed up. Aren't you glad that Jesus just kind of shows up? And uh, these two men were walking on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus just happens to bop in and appear. And he joins in with their conversation, not necessarily invited, but they didn't push him away. And uh, he said, why are you sad? And what are these things you're talking about? And they looked at him and said, are you, are you a stranger in Israel? You can't look or you don't know what's been happening. It's the same thing we could say today in the United States. In fact, probably around the world, uh, you would have to be on a different planet to not know. In fact, that might be what that shuttle launch was all about. They were just getting the heck up out of here, tired of the stuff that was going on. But you'd have to be a stranger in the United States not to see some of the things that have been that have been happening. If Jesus were to show up in a form today. And ask us what's up. We could all say what his father was said. Are you serious? Have you not seen? Have you not heard? Coming into this year, the country was in a relatively good place. Financially, we were better off than ever. There was fighting between the two political parties, but when has there not been fighting between political parties? Thousands of troops uh, that had been deployed, some for years, had returned home from needless wars abroad. You can say generally when you talk about the nation, generally. And that's to say that there's always issues and always problems. But you could say, going back to around January, February, we were generally in a good place and then it happened. Do you remember where you were? COVID-19. It hit our shores and affected every single person in this country. I think many of us may have had it and didn't know it. In fact, I think that I had it for four or five or six weeks. Um... Around Valentine's Day, or maybe a few days thereafter, Valentine's Day, I think it was a Wednesday, it may have been a Thursday, I think it was Thursday, and that Friday, uh, after, that Friday evening, I just remember I started coughing, couldn't stop coughing, then I had um, stomach problems and was going back and forth to the bathroom, and the next thing I know, I just couldn't stop coughing, and that lasted for five and a half weeks. In those five weeks, I missed three church, uh, two or three church services, which I never do, I certainly don't like to do it unless I'm out doing ministry somewhere else. Went to the urgent care multiple times, had several rounds of antibiotics and steroids, and uh, spent a day, one, one Saturday night, finally wound up spending the day in the hospital. I wasn't here uh, because they had me hooked up all, all kinds of machines, and I think probably many of us, before testing was, was out, much, we probably all uh, were at least exposed to it, and some of us had those symptoms. Anybody besides me think you may have had some of those symptoms? The world was shut down. In fact, in some places it still is. We all, well, except for the big box stores, they were allowed to operate uh, with impunity. We were told we can't work, we can't have church. Stay in place, they said, it'll all be safe for you. They let convicted felons walk the streets and yet they shut down churches. They the ABC stores were open. And abortion clinics were open for business, but for God's sake, don't go to work and don't go to church and definitely don't go to sporting events. This is not even a political view. Everything that I'm saying right now is just 100% facts. 
This is facts. I don't want you to think I'm coming at you with politics because the problem in the church is we've allowed outside politics to creep inside the church and we divide each other and the enemy wins. I'm not talking politics. I want to lay a foundation for what I believe that I've seen uh, a natural symptom or natural manifestation of a spiritual reality. And if we can learn to discern spiritual realities, then we will stop fighting with the arm of the flesh, go into the realm of the spirit and say, wait a minute, this is a spiritual battle. This really has nothing whatsoever to do with, with Republicans or Democrats or, with, or, with, um, or, or, or whatever else. This is really a spiritual battle that must be won in the spiritual realm realm for it to manifest in the natural realm. But we fight each other with the arm of the flesh. Inside churches, I know church people that fight back and forth or they hold their tongue and they don't say what they really want to say because they don't want to offend. But the truth of it is they'd really like to take that shot. How many of you without raising your hand would say, man, I've seen something on Facebook and I really want to take a shot at it. Probably all of us. Just let me say what I want to say. Then on May 25th, many of us watched in horror as a video was released of George Floyd, who was viciously murdered at the hands of a demonic officer. To be sure, this was a demonic man. Whatever happened, whether you think that there was a, a nefarious thing going on behind the scenes, this man's life was taken. And the last thing that he said when he called for his mother was, he said, I, I can't breathe I'm not preaching about George Floyd, but I think it's a symptom. I'm not talking about COVID-19, but I think it's a symptom, and I think it's a picture of a larger problem. We saw him as his last breath slipped away while the demon that was on top of him smothered him with his knee on his neck. And that set off a frenzy that every one of us are walking in right now today. Asking ourselves, how is it that life is so devalued by some? I've wept, I've prayed, I've contemplated, I've researched, I've dialogued, I've repented, and I've wept some more. But recently it hit me in my contemplation. We have a little brick ranch house that my wife decided needed to get painted about a month ago and I painted the outside of it and built her some shutters and had front porch we've never used and we opened up that and started using it put a rocking chair out there and I like to go out there and sit with a coffee early in the mornings or sometimes when I say early I'm talking two or three in the mornings or when I first get up or late at night I was sitting in that rocking chair the other day thinking and speaking to the Lord and I've done that a lot I've had more prophetic dreams, at least the ones that I'm aware of in the last probably six, eight weeks than I've had in the last five years. And it hit me, there is something that is related between the George Floyd murder and COVID-19. And here's what it is. There is something, there is a thief that is crept into the house and it's after breath. I want to compose myself this morning because I've been deeply moved, as you've probably seen. I know I've been a wreck the last few weeks. Because how can you not be moved when you watch a man's life viciously taken from him? How can you not be moved when you see 
rocks and bricks and firebombs and all kinds of, and all of the stuff that's happened uh, over the last several weeks, I've wept, but it, and yet I believe that everything that we're seeing is literally, it is a natural symptom of a spiritual issue. And if we try to address it naturally, we will not be able to address it. In fact, even the best of us, even the best prophets, like say Moses, was not able to legislate morality. Moses received from the finger of God himself the commandments, and he, and he delivered it. In fact, when he came down to deliver the commandments, when he went up on the mountain, that was not to be touched unless by invitation, and he receives by the finger of God the Ten Commandments, which, by the way, are great commandments. I, you hear me preach about law. When I talk about law, I don't talk about breaking the Ten Commandments. Obviously, you should not covet your, you know, your neighbor's belongings, and you should not kill, and you should not steal. You know, but Moses comes down. He's legislated morality, and he gives it. And when he gets to the bottom, the guys that had come out of Egypt are back doing what they learned while they were in Egypt. It's sad to me that in 2020 I see people that have been born into the kingdom that are doing what they did before they were born into the kingdom, attacking and fighting each other. And, and, and you can't legislate morality. If you think that the, the change that's coming is going to happen on the ground, it will happen on the ground, but not first. First, it must happen in the spirit. When Jesus said these words, he said, and pray this way, because whatsoever things you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thing you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We hear it in the English vernacular, and we think that means if I say it here, it has to happen there. The reality is, the tense of the verb is, whatever you bind in earth shall already have been bound in heaven. Did you know that? This is true. Whatever you loose on earth shall have already been loosed in heaven, which is to say there has been something loosed in the heavens that needs to be bound in the heavens that, that has been loosed on the earth, and it won't be bound in the earth until first it's bound in the heavens. And we're fighting a spiritual battle with the arm of the flesh and wondering why we're getting nowhere. Look, I'm for the protest. I'm for you walking. I have no problem with that. I'm not for looting. I'm not for, I'm not for the, all the killing that's happened since then. I'm not for any of it. I think the man that murdered George, George Floyd, I think he's demonic. But if you think taking that man to the whatever happens to him, and all of it is probably deserved, whatever happens to him, if you think that's going to fix the issue, it's not. If they take that officer and the other three that stood by and watched, I, I mean, that makes no sense to me. It's, it's, a, it's, a shock to the, to the, it's a shock to the psyche to sit back and watch while three men watch another man take the life of one man. Literally crying out, I can't breathe. I mean, I can't. I, 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 can't. I mean, it, the only thing I take pleasure in killing is a snake. I take a whole lot of pleasure in killing them spiritually too. But th there's a serpent and his name is Python, and he snuck into the church, and he's trying to steal breath. As Mr. Floyd was murdered, he was heard saying, I can't breathe. Shirts have been made, said, I can't breathe. Now we could have endless, I'm going to read my notes, and I want to get to something. We could have endless debates about the politics at play with these two scenarios, but that gets us nowhere. We're kingdom people first. We are not natural people having a spiritual experience. We are a spiritual people having a natural experience. We're spirit first. They used to say it this way, and I believe that it's true. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. But because we do things reverse, 
you know, we, 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 we judge the natural first. And most of it's ruled by the soul and we hardly ever touch things in the spiritual realm. Does this make sense? This isn't hard. This isn't hard to grasp. This is not a hard concept. We're first kingdom people. Citizens of a higher kingdom. Ambassadors of a higher order. Ask any well-trained soldier, Stephen, if we want to defeat an enemy, we would do well to have a look from an elevated place. If God forbid a fight, a gun battle ever broke out in this building, I can promise you, you're going to be better off if you're up there looking down than if you're down here looking up. And what's happened is we're fighting a spiritual battle. But instead of having our spirits in the heavens and seeing what's really happening, we're down here. And we're taking fire. And we don't know where it's coming from. We think that it's the Democrats trying to kill us or it's the Republicans trying to kill us or it's, or it's whatever. And the truth of it is, that's just a symptom. The reality is, this is a spiritual fight. This is a spiritual battle and it must be won in the spiritual realm. If it's won there first, it will be won here. You can watch in the kingdom or in the Bible, Jesus, every time that he ever did anything miraculously, first you're going to find him sneaking away from the crowd, spending time alone with the father. And he said these words at one time. He said, I do only what I see my father do and I speak only what I hear my father say. There is not very little recording of the conversations that happened between father and son, but we know that it happened because when he left those conversations, he brought the reality of that spiritual kingdom to the earth and he brought the dominion of that kingdom to the earth and that's why he could say to Lazarus Lazarus come forth and it happened if he had not spent time with the father in the spirit he would have no power to show up to Lazarus tomb and command the dead to come forth there are things in society that need to die racism absolutely needs to die Killing for whatever reason needs to die. Racial favoritism or whatever you want to call it, that needs to die. But it is not going to happen here. We got to get it up there first. We got to stop judging each other after the flesh and learn how to judge each other after the spirit. It's funny, I was sitting last week on my porch in my rocking chair that was a beautiful rocking chair until my mastiff, who was five, decided that would be a good chew toy. And my arms used to sit right here in the chair. Now they sit like this because she chewed about six inches of it off. I love Mastis, but they're dumb. <laughs> Who's that? Who else? <laughs> Marie said, yeah. They're dumb. I'll have some for sale real soon. So just forget that I said that. But <laughs> They're cute. So you, I trick you to buy them when they're little. Then they grow up and you're like, God, they're bigger than me and they don't listen. <laughs> There's a thief in the house and he's smothering the life out of many and he seeks to destroy all I told you weeks ago I was given a mandate by father to engage the prophetic every time I took the platform so I see this evil spirit like a constricting python trying to choke the life out of all of us and what is it that he is attacking breath and that breath was the gift of God when we read in Genesis the word breath, it's the, it's the word neshamal, uh, uh, and it means wind, or an angry or vital or forceful breath. It means divine inspiration. It means intellect. 
It means to blast. It means breath. If you want to look it up in your Strong's Concordance, it's, it's, uh, it's 5395. In the New Testament, the word breath is the word spirit is the word ruach and it means wind it's by resemblance breath or it's spirit so what the enemy is trying to do is constrict around our windpipes like that evil man did to george floyd and he wants to choke the very wind of god out of us He's done it to most of the church in the Western Hemisphere already. He, there is no spirit left in the church. It's just a, mo a bunch of emotionalism. Say the right things, sing the right songs, and get saved for the 957th time. Rat, uh, lather, rinse, repeat. And the next week, it's another thing. Tell a Bible story, say something that's going to scare people and scare them into the, to getting saved and then do it again. He's already choked the spirit. You don't, you rarely go into a church in the Western hemisphere where the spirit is, is, is allowed to and given the space to just do what he wants to do. And so that's already happened. And now it's beginning to happen at the church at large. And now it's happening to countries. It, it started with individuals, then families, then cities. It's the same way that we'll take back the world is starting first with individuals and then families and then cities and then the nations. I love when people sing, Father, give us the nations, but your own household is going to hell and back. Here's how you win the nations, win yourself and win your family first. I've, I've traveled, as you know, many of you know, hundreds of thousands of miles with Bishop Charles Johnson. I've been to India multiple times. I've been to Africa multiple times. I've been to Peru. I've been, I've been to Canada. I've been to all over the United States. And, and having done all of this and watched tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people born into the kingdom to receive a salvation experience and be healed. He looked at me one day when I was just a young boy and said, Joshua, I want to tell you something. It was when we were in, uh, it was when we were in Uganda. It was the day that we got to Tororo, Uganda. So our, our company, our, our company, I mean the company of people with Charles Johnson, my mother went, Marie and Becky and Colleen went. They weren't supposed to go. My wife was supposed to go and yet she found out she was pregnant with my Isaac. And because she was pregnant, she could not have the, the, the man, uh, mandatory yellow fever vaccination because that could be detrimental to Isaac and we like him so we, we want to keep him. And so they decided to go, we land. Well, when we land, the day we land, our airline goes on strike. So we wind up in a four or five star hotel eating great food for like four days. And I'm thinking, this is just ruining them. This is not missions. Yes. Did it not? I mean, I, I mean, it was, it was for me, I'm like, this is great. You know, we, I mean, we're eating ostrich and all this stuff and Nando's chicken. Oh my God. If you ever had some Nando's chicken and chicken sauce, you would speak in tongues like that. I mean, it's just that. Not really, but four days. And then finally, we arrive in Tororo, Uganda. Now, at this time, I had Jacob. Uh, Elizabeth had Abby. Abby was still in diapers. And, and Isaac, um, and she was pregnant with Isaac. And when we got to the place, and it's a very secluded place, Tororo, uh, we went into our, if you want to call it a hotel, I don't think it really deserves that name, but I laid down with the net around us. You know, you got to have the net for malaria and other things that the mosquitoes a mosquito net and Rachel has one about her bed but she thinks it's a princess net so um, I looked at Bishop Johnson and I started to weep I said how do you do this man 
how you doing? He told me two things. He said, he said, what do you mean? I said, man, it's killing me. I have my little baby girls at home. My wife's pregnant. You know, it's been four or five days. I just really just want to kind of want to go home. I mean, you know, we like to tell our tales of when we heal the sick and raise the dead and stuff. Here's what I was going through. I don't, I, this is hard for me right now. I'm really missing being with my family. And he said, we have a job to do. So suck it up. If you ever travel with a real apostle, they don't, you know, they just sort of just kind of tell you. But then he said something else to me. He said, Joshua, I want to tell you something. This was, we were actually sitting, this was a different trip in South Africa in Paul Lutchman's house in Durban, South Africa. And we had been on a lion safari uh, that day. And we got back to Paul Lutchman's house and sat down stairs in his house and he looked at me in tears. And he said, I want to tell you something. He had gone through tremendous loss. All, so, I won't go into the details. I didn't leave the details out. And he looks at me and says, do me a favor. So what's that? He said, do not you, don't you dare go and win the world and lose your own family. And he said, I'm speaking as a man with experience. His granddaughter would be something like seven or eight or ten before he would get to meet her the first time. Why are you telling me that? Because I'm telling you, the way that we'll win back the nations, it's going to start individually in it, with your individual. And then it's going to start with your family. Lord, give us the nations. I'll give it to you. Can you control your own thoughts? Your own outburst? Can you surrender your family? Well, this is deep stuff. No, it's not. This is good. This is necessary. First individual. This is the fundamental building block of the kingdom is the family. It starts with the individual and then the family, then the church and then the church at large, the kingdom. When I see the definition of the word wind, I see a violent blowing. Isn't it interesting that last week we celebrated Pentecost the birthday of the church where the spirit was poured out and was heard like a, a rushing mighty wind. Is, not, is it not amazing that in the very season that we celebrate the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus and then the ascension of Jesus 40 days later and 50 days later, we celebrate the birthday of the church where the disciples were gathered, as you know, in the upper room, 120 remain, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. When did it come? When they were in unity. Remember that? When they were breathing with like passion. The word unity is they were breathing with, with, with they had a like passion, all things in common. And suddenly the spirit came like a mighty rushing wind. The spirit it will come again like a mighty rushing wind when we can get our unity back. It's a free part. The thief has come. The ugly python spirit has reared its head and has come to try and steal our breath, which is the spirit, the very breath of God, and take the Holy Ghost power away from the church. And he will do anything to keep us from breathing passionately after the same thing. He's after our unity. That's what the disciples were doing in the upper room. I told you, they were breathing hard, passionately, in unison after each other. And what happened is Peter stood up and began to speak in every single nation known to the man that was in Jerusalem at the time. Nations of Africa and nations of Europe and Asian countries. They all heard the gospel of the kingdom in their own language. You remember? We read this. We want, to, we want the gospel of the kingdom to go into every nation, but it won't happen until we can come into unity. I told you last week, unity won't come as long as we hold to our, to our, to our, to our sacred, how did I put it? Uh, individualism is, is probably the best word. We hold on to it. I want to have my ideas. They're my ideas and no one's going to change me. 
I read another thing that Albert Einstein said, a friend of mine, Wendy Davis, Darren Day, Pastor Darren Davis's wife shared, and she said Albert, I, Albert Einstein was quoted as saying, intelligence is defined by your ability to change. Intelligence, I remember him saying another time, I refuse to use my mind as a filing cabinet for facts. That's not intelligence, that's memorization. Intelligence is to be able to move and shift and change. There are so many things that we believe in that we see now. Hopefully to God, we've all, we've all grown. There are things that we see and understand with the kingdom now that we did not know 20 years ago. There are ways that we can communicate now that we couldn't 15 years ago. I can push one button and have my voice heard on multiple flat platforms around the world. Unless you live in Stony Point, then it's going to take some time to get there. I don't know why the Lord dropped me off in that place. I heard Kelly Varner say years ago, and I'm not, certainly not putting myself in this classification, but he said God put him uh, where he was so he wouldn't hurt anybody, and every once in a while he lets him out. Maybe that's what God did to me too. Stony Point is a wretched place with zero internet service. <laughs> I kind of like it because most of the time texts don't go through. So if somebody texts me, I can legitimately say, dude, I didn't get it. <laughs> and if it actually does go through, I could lie and say, I didn't get it. You just said that from the stage. I know. In the upper room, they were breathing hard, passionate about the same thing. And there were men and women of all races, of all colors and creeds that heard in unison the gospel of the kingdom. How can you not see that the enemy today, the same enemy is looking to divide us along geopolitical lines, along racial lines, along cultural lines. But let it be known, here's the prophetic, here and today, there is a people, there is a new breed of people that are, as were Joshua and Caleb of a different spirit. When Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land, where they were going to take, go in the promised land, when they were chosen, God, God said of Caleb, he's of a different spirit. He ain't going to give up. Ten spies come back and say, we're but, we're but grasshoppers in their sight. But two spies came back and said, my God, they got grapes the size of grapefruits. That's our land. Let's go get it. Let's go get it. There is a new company of people right now, a new breed that are like Joshua and Caleb of a different spirit. And we have determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and his him crucified. We refuse to be divided any longer. We refuse to allow the media or propaganda machines to warp our discernment. We will stand arm in arm, not fighting with the arm of the flesh, but stand in the power of the spirit to cut off the head of the smothering divisive serpent until we see the kingdoms of this world fallen and the king and his kingdom established in every corner of society. Today we declare our independence from the tyranny of the enemy, from the tyranny of racial bias, from the tyranny of fear, from the tyranny of abusive powers. My God Almighty. Now I'm going to preach. I really feel the preacher coming now. I know we've all suffered, but as Paul said, I join with him. He writes in Hebrews 8, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not... Worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. For creation awaits with eager expectation the revelation of the sons and the daughters of God. For creation was made subject to futility, not of its own accord, but because of the one who subjected it in hope that creation itself would be set free from slavery to corruption. My God, and share in the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that all creation is groaning in labor pains. That's what's happening. 
even until now. And not only that, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown within ourselves as we wait for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that sees for itself is not hope, for who hopes for what you see? But if we hope for what we do not see, we await with endurance. In the same way, the Spirit too comes to the aid of our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit itself intercedes with inexpressible groanings. And the one who searches the hearts knows what is the intention of the Spirit, because it intercedes for the holy ones according to God's will. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For those that he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those that he predestined, he also called. And those that he called, he also justified. And those that he justified, he glorified. What should we say then if God is for us? What should we say if God is for us? Who can be against us? I will say if God is for us, COVID-19 can't stop us. If God is for us, failed systems of government can't keep us back. If God is for us, no devil in hell can stand before us. If God is for us, what can divide us? If God is for us, sickness can't stay. If God is for us, poverty runs away. If God is for us, who can be against us? Not as a question, but as a challenge challenge and the fight is rigged the fix is in the truth is we're already victors because of the victorious one because if God is for us if God is for us if the one who breathed the breath of life into our nostrils is for us if he stands victorious over death and hell and the grave and victorious over Satan in fact depending on your perspective the Bible says that Jesus by death destroyed him that had the power of death that is the devil and Satan that's your new King James that's your New Testament and you can read it from your King James and every other version the only thing the enemy has left is a voice In the Garden of Eden, we see him as a serpent. By the time he gets to Revelation, it's a great red dragon. Wonder where it got its power. Because it's stolen the breath of the church. Because instead of spending time with Father in the spirit realm to see what's actually happening, we think we're going to make, and I'm for everything that's happening. I'm not attacking, but we think we're going to make change fighting with the arm of the flesh. Spirit is smothering the church, stealing the breath of the sons and daughters of God. And I hear, like precious George Floyd, I hear a generation of people saying, I can't, I can't breathe. I won't be, as a minister, like the three officers that, that stood by and watched that man's life taken. In fact, a beautiful brother of mine, Tony uh, who was here back at Simmons, who was here back at our conference. Remember Tony Simmons, uh, a black brother, and he brought his sister, who I've not met, who moves in the prophetic, shared, on, uh, shared the story on Instagram. And I said, man, it doesn't make sense to me. And Rashad Bettis was another one. I said, I would have went, if I were one of those other three, I would have kicked that guy off of George Floyd. Here's what I want to do spiritually. I hear a generation that is being smothered to death. I look at the church in the United States. 
that has very little, if any, breath left. Here's what my, here's my promise. I will not stand by and watch this serpent strangle the life and the breath out of the church. If I've got to do it by myself, I don't think I have to. But if I have to do it by myself, I will take everything. I will take this heel and I promise you I will do all that I can to crush the serpent's head that's trying to crush the windpipe of the church. Everything that you're seeing is a natural manifestation of a spiritual reality. If you don't learn anything, you should learn this. Remember when Jesus said, he said, when you see that the sky is red, you know the heart. He said, yeah, how is it that you can read the signs of the day and the signs of the seasons, but you can't read the signs of the times? Here are the signs of the times. First, I'm going to say this year's not over. It, this year's not over. I think that we're in a generational transformational time. I think that the end of the story is going to be so much better than the beginning of the story. I happen to be one of the ones that believe that in the end, not only does God win, but he drags every one of his children along with him across the finish line. In fact, he promised it. He said, if I be lifted up above the earth, I will draw. That's what your book says. But the word is not draw. The word is drag. I will drag all men unto me. So when he gets the victory and crosses the finish line, he's going to drag every one of his sons and daughters across the finish line in victory. That's what I believe. That's what I see. When he sets up his government, then we don't have to worry about a very corrupt, and we all know that we live under the oppression of a corrupt government. Some people, unfortunately, suffer. Our, 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 our persons of color suffer more than, more than others. But still, all of us live subject to those that think they have power versus the ones that, that just live and move and work in the economy. But the truth of it is, this is a day of the revealing of the sons of God. I heard years ago by Ronnie Robbins, he said something I'll never forget. He said, in a land where there's drought, water is more valuable than gold. I'll say it again. In a land where there's drought, there is coming a time when your brothers and sisters and your government officials and all those, and it's already started to happen, are going to come and say, look, there's something different about you. You seem to have answers. There, I don't know if it's the spirit of God. I don't know how to put my, what should we do? And you are going to be grown enough and have spent time enough with the Father to say, here's what the Lord says. We need prophets in the land again. We need prophets in the land again that'll raise a voice and say, no, this is what the Lord says and this is what's going to happen. We need prophets that would rather give a real prophetic word than pack a building with 600 people. We need men and women of God who will walk in their calling and realize this is not the day of commercialized church. Look, let me tell you something. If we, if we need to pack this place out, I can do that with commercialized church. It don't take long. You just sing the right songs. You use the right modulation. You don't challenge that much. You preach a real good, feel-good message. You know, you make sure you do good things in the community. Before you know it, this place will be packed. And yet, we would stay the same. But the reality is, there is coming a time when this place will be packed. And the reason is because they're going to hear nothing but the unadulterated word of God. And they're going to feel nothing but the move of His Spirit in power. They're, Peter, you're seeing it around the country. You're seeing it around the world. They're starving for reality. They're starving for spiritual transparency. Big box commercialized church is not the answer. The answer is as, as we, I like how the Spirit of God first came upon them when they were in the upper room. It did not come upon them individually. It came upon them corporately and then divided individually. 
And it will not come like that again until we come into unity and the spirit will be poured out upon us, upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. That's where we're headed. So here's what I challenge you to do this week. Find your rocking chair. Find your rocking chair. Find your prayer room. Some of you call it war room. Whatever it is that you find, find it and say, okay, Father, this is what I did. I literally sat on my porch and said, show me. Because if you're led by your emotions, you will be manipulated by your emotions. This is the truth. And those that are in power know how to whip up emotions because they've got years and years and years of practice. And what's more, the spirit behind it has got generations of practice. Emotions are not bad. They make great servants, but they're horrible masters. Do not be led by your emotions. Feel them, but control them and own them. My God, if Jesus had been, if Jesus had been controlled by emotions, who knows what he would. I mean, because one minute he's praying, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me. And the next minute he's praying because he knew he submitted to the Spirit. Nevertheless, so get in your closet. Uh, you, are the, you, are the, you are the answer to the cries of this generation. It ain't coming from the White House, and it ain't coming from the, from the co- houses of Congress. It's not coming from there. I'm not saying I'm for it. I'm not saying I'm against. I'm trying to get your attention higher. I don't care if you loved Obama and hate Trump or love Trump and hate Obama. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It doesn't fix or change anything. All it does is give you an argue, arguing point. What I care about is, have you sit, spent enough time with Father to say, what is that you want to do so that your kingdom comes and your will is done in earth as it is in heaven? And if you need to remove him or them, remove them. And if they need to stay, let them stay. And let the words of my mouth be so powerful that when I speak, I know that it happens. Church is supposed to also be a training ground. Did you know that? It's not just supposed to be come and feel. You should be trained. So when you go out, you're discipled and know this is what I should do. This is what I am to do. So this is my challenge for you. Sorry, I don't have a scary story to tell you to get you up to the altars again. Or as they say, sorry, not sorry. You've done that. If you, if you, I, I know, I think everybody in here, and we've only met by, but I know by your spirit, I don't think you need to come and give your heart to Jesus. I'm sure that he's already got it. I can see him around your heart. Here's what we need. We need sons and daughters to grow up. To grow up. Stop taking cheap shots. Stop being led like a chain by your emotions and say, I refuse to, be, to allow my mind and my emotions to be manipulated for profit by those that are in power. I refuse. Here's what I'm going to do. Father, speak to me. And until you speak, I won't speak. Father, show me. Until you show me, I won't look. If you show me a judgment, then I'll give good judgment. But if you don't, I'll keep my mouth shut and just stay in your presence and wait until you speak. That's why Jesus was affected. I do nothing unless I see my father do it. And I speak nothing unless I hear my father say it. That is the key to power in ministry. I feel like I'm teaching the Bible students this morning. That's the key to power. You want to go out there here. When, when you, want, you get riled up in your emotions, wait a minute, Father, what do you say about this? The truth of it is, listen to me, listen to me. Really, if you go on and read your social media, whatever it is, 
I, there are 15 scientists that will prove their point on this side of an argument, and there'll be 20 that'll prove their point on this side of an argument. And depending on which side you want to believe, that's who you're going to defend. And the truth of it is, you really don't know the truth. Unless the spirit of truth gives it to you. You don't know. We don't know whether COVID is a, is a pandemic, as they say, or whether it's a legit thing that was born from a, come on, from a bat. You don't know unless the spirit of truth has said, no, this is what's happening. And here is, I don't know all the other stuff that's happening. Here is what's happening. The serpent, the python spirit is trying to choke the life out of you. And if you don't see it, you might die before you realize it. What I've come today to do is to try my best to kick that ugly demonic officer off of your throat so that you can breathe and go back home to your families and be a difference and make a difference. Let's all stand. Eli, play me something on the keys. The last part of Paul's dissertation there was, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God is for us. It's not a question, it's a challenge. I've said many times and it's because I saw it for the first time when Jesus stood over death and said, oh death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? He was not asking a question. He was literally taunting his defeated foe with his foot on the neck of death. When will we choose to love and when will we choose to come together as brothers and sisters? I walked that platform last night and as I was walking back and forth, the Lord spoke to me and said, there's angelic activity that stays in this area of this building. There you go. Well, that's weird. That's fine. It gets a whole lot weirder or not, depending on your perspective. I'd rather have weird and real than to believe a lie all my life and be comfortable. Do the things that you know to do. Believe for, believe for change. If you want to march in rallies, march in rallies. I'm not suggesting you do none of that. What I'm saying is first, settle in your spirit what Father says and then take action in the earth. Because if you beat it up there, it's dead here. First the spirit, then the natural. That's what Jesus said. In fact, he told Nicodemus today, he said, how, how can you believe if I tell you of heavenly things if you don't believe when I tell you of earthly things? So ask Father. Let's pray. Father, you're completely comfortable when we're uncomfortable. Here's what I pray for, Father. Here's what I see and what I pray for. I pray that sons and daughters will sit back and watch their father take his heel and crush the serpent, the serpent's head. And having seen that, every time your sons and daughters see another serpent, we'll do the same thing. And what the serpent that I see today, Lord, is a serpent of division that has usurped power and authority that was never meant for him and has puffed himself up, puffed himself up. But today with the words of my mouth and with the, what's been given and entrusted to me, I can't get away from it. I couldn't if I tried. 
I speak over myself and my family, this church. We will not be divided. We will not be smothered. We will love no matter the, the amount of, uh, no matter the color of skin, no matter the background of color. We're going to love. We're going to judge righteous judgment. We're going to hear what thus says the Lord, and that's what we will administer. Before we're white or before we're black, we're sons and daughters of the king. Before we're American or before we're non-American, we're sons and daughters of the king. Long before we're Republican or Democrat or or Libertarian, we're sons and daughters of the king. We will take our identity first with who you say we are, and we will administer the goods of the kingdom based on who you say we are and not the labels that this society tries to put on us. I prayed last week, Lord, that you break the back of oppression that we know has oppressed people of color in this country for for generations. But Lord, what I'm really praying for today is that you break the back of oppression that has been over your church, that has been satisfied with warming pews and, and giving some money in a plate, but making no difference in society. Move us to a place of uncomfortability until we do the things that you require from us. Help us, Lord, to stay awake and not sleep when we hear the cries of our generation. When we hear the cries of oppressed brothers and sisters, let us not sleep and think that it's normal or someone else will handle it. Let's take it upon ourselves to be before you and say, Father, I know you've given me a mandate. Now, that's the vision. Now, give me direction. How do I go about doing this? In this place, Father, let there be boys and girls grow up to go into the political system but not become a part of the political quagmire Lord but they would be the kingdom's answer to politics Father let them say things and do things and and come up with programs Father that confound the wise until they establish a real heavenly government system instead of an oppressive system that takes advantage of all types of people and especially peoples of color I speak right now, I see, T- I see Tiana, Father, I've already spoken to her a couple of times about going into politics, Lord. Empower her by your spirit, Lord, to go in and make a change. Let her not be moved by her emotions, but let her be driven by your spirit. Let the boys and girls in this church, Lord, not be moved against each other, Lord, and not be manipulated by media, Father, but let them hear what thus says the Lord and let them stand when everyone around them is blowing and going in the opposite direction. Let them stand and say, no, because this is what Father says. This is what I'll do. This is where I'll stand. Lord, if that happens, I'd rather have that than to have a thousand people listen to me every morning. I'd rather have that than go over back to India and preach to 50,000. I'd rather have sons and daughters of God get up and say, I will not be moved and swayed by every geopolitical wind that blows. We'll only be moved by the wind of the Spirit. Empower your people. I believe you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I should say, I appreciate you guys coming. I know that we don't have regular church. I know that. I'm very well aware of that. And I'm not, I don't want to take, I'm not taking shots at people that do that. I'm fine. That's fine. I know that it gets uncomfortable sometimes. But if you'll listen, if you'll spend time with the Father, I can promise you, you're going to find value in what the Lord releases here. Maybe more value than you realize. Don't throw it away until you sit with it for a little while. Don't throw it away. My, my wife is, is, is adamant that she makes me try new stuff. She always puts green stuff on my plate as if I'm supposed to eat it. Well, you need to try it. You're not throwing away your trial. I'm like, I don't really want to. Just try it. 
And sometimes I actually like what she makes me try. And most of the time it's healthy. And most of the time I have to look at her like, hey, you were kind of right. I want to offer you and serve you some healthy food. In this church, we don't do a whole lot of cheeseburgers and french fries. And I know we all like that. But if you'll take what I give you and if you'll eat it and if you'll process it, it'll bring life to you. It'll bring life to you. God bless you. Thank you for coming. We hope to see you next week.